The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. I have gone to churches for years and years and years that had something in their bulletin that's just like we put in here every week. Down at the bottom it says weekly financial update. And every church I've ever gone to has had that except for, and some of you old timers will remember this. Do you, you remember the old plaques that used to go on the wall of the church? Today's attendance, last week's attendance. And Dennis has one in his garage, don't you? That's, that's just weird. He actually does have one in his garage. Uh, he stole from a church somewhere. I don't know where he got it. But, uh, but you know, it's, it's, as you look at that every week, and as I would look at it sitting in the pew, I would see things like what we have here. Okay, so last week we were $2,000 behind budget. And for the year, we're 30-some thousand dollars behind budget. And I think, what in the world? <laughs> the pastor looks like he's eating. Uh, he, looks, he looks fine. Uh, lights are on and everything like that. So never really understood exactly, you know, what, what that meant. We want to take a few minutes today and try to flesh that out and explain exactly what that means. Now, this is a little bit of, we'll call it family time as a church. And uh, I saw several visitors come in this morning, and I thought, no, no, not today. No, I didn't want to tell you that. Uh, but in fact, we're going to look at the Word of God in just a few minutes here. But we did want to take a little bit of time just so you had an understanding of what that means, you know, how that, how that plays out. And I've asked Pastor James to go through the nuts and bolts in that for two reasons. One is I'm not a very good nuts and bolts guy, uh, and I was afraid I wouldn't do a good job of it. But secondly, I have found that when I try to do two things I stand up here and I'm focused on that and I switch to the sermon. The sermon suffers and I am really pumped about the sermon. I got to tell you, I got an extra hour of sleep last night and I actually got it. I don't know. You know, I wasn't like I'm staying up late and it I'm feeling it. I'm feeling good. So uh, so we're ready to go. But in the meantime, uh, I was going to ask, like I said, Pastor James to just uh, just go over and explain that a little bit. All right. Thank you. We're going to go through this uh, pretty quickly here, but there'll be some slides behind me so you can follow along. And uh, like Pastor Dan said, if you're new here, there's, uh, you know, no pressure on you for anything here. You just kind of get to listen in for a few minutes uh, to a little bit of a family meeting. Uh, but before we talk about uh, numbers, as in like dollars and cents, I thought we would spend a few minutes talking about ministry impact, more along the lines of like the number of people and different projects and ministries that we've been able to do over the past year or so, so you'd kind of get a sense. So here's, here's a few things that we put down. When we talk about ministry impact, we have around 225 people um, that call community home. If you uh, met them in town, they would say, hey, this is our church, this is our home church. Um, about 60 of them would be elementary and below, um, about 50 of them would be kind of in the middle school, high school range. We also have uh, a good number of small groups that happen, happen every week, whether they be adult small groups or we have them for our middle school and high school students as well. And then even uh, today in our children's classes, they're going to have a portion of their time um, is going to be in small groups. So we're definitely committed to that. Uh, we have ladies Bible study and ladies events. We have men's Bible study. Um, I mentioned already this morning that Friday we're going to have about 150 kids here uh, in elementary school. And in, in an average month uh, between elementary all the way through high school, this year we'll have about 250 kids from Edwardsburg schools here every month uh, for a Bible class. This is our 14th year doing it. Uh, it's, it's just an amazing, amazing opportunity. It's also our 14th year of doing upward basketball. We expect well over 400 kids playing again this year um, in kindergarten through fourth grade. So impact in those 400 kids and their families uh, with basketball, but more importantly with the good news of Jesus. Uh, God has really blessed our foster care ministry. 
uh, just this year alone in our clothes closet, we've served over 100 families. And so that's just been amazing to see that really grow. Uh, we have a Christmas party coming up um, in a few weeks where we're going to serve around 100 people uh, in Cass County or in the foster care system. So that ministry has really grown. And uh, in missions, this would be primarily money that is spent outside of the United States of America so people can hear about Jesus. You guys have committed about $55,000 over the course of this year. Uh, some of that has been through our regular budget, but some of that has also been special offerings and then our projects in Guatemala, uh, you guys have committed over $55,000 for that. And then we could go on and on about different local outreaches, the trunk or treat that we just had, and so many different groups and teams that we open up our facilities to. But before we talk about dollars and cents, I want you to see one of the things that the money provides us, it provides us the opportunity for a facility and programs and ministry. And we could talk about this page for hours, but just for two or three minutes, this is a glimpse of the ministry impact that we have together, which we're very grateful for and excited about. So let's get to the numbers. I apologize if you're not an accountant or a number person, but here they are. All right. So Pastor Dan mentioned in the bulletin right now, you'll look, and this is current as of last week, the 2019 budget to date, just right around $228,000. And the giving year to date as of last week, right around that $197,000 mark. So what that means is, because we typically spend pretty much right around that budget line, not too much over, not too much under. What that means is for us as a church for 2019, we have basically spent around $30,000 more than we have brought in. Now in a second, I'll tell you how we've been able to do that, okay? But what would this look like if we kind of flesh it out to the end of the year? We get to the end of the year, and this is our budget, kind of our operating expenses for the year, right around that $276,000 mark. So that means between now and the end of the year, end of the year for us to hit that mark, it's just under, just under $80,000. So that's the picture. Here's where we are year to date. Here's where we need to be. Basically, in the next two months, about $80,000 more would need to come in so that our regular budget expenses, in-going, outgoing, all matches. So how have we been able to kind of float that $30,000? Because the church, as long as I've been here, maybe even forever historically, just hasn't had debt. We've been so, you guys have been awesome. God has provided, and we just haven't had debt. That's one of the cool things that we've had. So how have we been able to kind of float this $30,000? Well, we do have um, some money in savings. So in a checking account, um, we have around $22,000. What we like to do in Every, every month, we want to have between twenty dollars and $25,000 in the checking because that's what it costs us to operate for a month. So we always want to have a month reserve there in the checking so we can pay those bills as they come. In addition to that, we have a checking reserve that a few weeks ago was at the $18,000 mark. So that checking reserve fund has been the fund primarily that's enabled us to kind of float that $30,000. So that fund, if you go back to the beginning of the year, was about $30,000 more and that number has gone down so that we can pay our bills and things like that, okay? In addition to that, um, we have a heat pump fund that has $15,000 in it. You may or may not know this, but it takes 11 heat pumps to heat and cool our facility here. The lifespan of those heat pumps are about 10 to 12 years, and each one costs about 10 to $12,000. So the law of averages is that about every year, you have to replace one of those. So that's a fund that we always have to keep putting money in so that we can replace them when they go bad. So we have about a pump and a half in there right now. Um, in addition to those three numbers, you know, good, good business sense, whether it's family, personal, or uh, a business, is that you want to have an emergency fund or a contingency fund of kind of the three to six month range, depending on who you talk to. Well, we have about three, th three months worth 
um, in a contingency slash emergency fund in case of catastrophe or emergency. So the reason we've been able to operate as normal is because of some of those reserves we've had. So what does all this mean? All the numbers that I, that I mentioned, what does that mean? A couple things. First of all, what it means is that we are currently spending more than we're taking in to the tune of give or take $30,000 over the course of this year. So that's the first thing. The second thing is we need a strong end of the year to catch us back up, to get us to where we need to be. So are we concerned? Yes and no. Here's why maybe we're concerned because we are spending more that we're taking in and that this number this year is larger than it has been in the past. The deficit is larger than it has been in the past. So there's some cause for concern. Here's the no part of the concern. I'm kind of a people pleaser. So I want to make sure you hear a yes and a no both. But uh, here's the no part is that because historically our church has tracked behind kind of summer, early fall. And we've historically made it up in November, but especially in December to the tune of last year, we had over 20% of our budget in giving came in in December. So we're concerned because we're behind and it's a little bit more than it has been in the past, but we also have a positive outlook trusting that if we have a strong end of the year, we can kind of catch back up. So that when we look to the future, just a couple things that we're looking forward to, Oh, I want to mention all these things too here first before I get to the future. Here's some things that we have done this past year that have been emergencies or things that we've chosen to use the money for to update. Um, parking lot lights. It was getting harder and harder to find replacement parts for them. They were all burning out. So thankful to Tony Gilbert and his crew. A couple weeks ago, they put in brand new parking lights for us. Uh, you need them. Safety, security, you got to have them. We had a set of exterior doors that uh, quit working. Parts were falling out of them. You couldn't open it or shut it. And so we had to replace those. Uh, we did have a heat pump about a year ago that went out. So we had to replace that. Uh, the bus needed some significant repairs, a couple thousand dollars worth. So we had to spend that. We will use it on Friday to bus these 150 kids back and forth to school. Um, those were kind of emergencies, necessities. Because we had reserve, we were able to pay for those things. And then we did a couple updates. We updated the nursery, uh, which was kind of the last room in the kids' hallway that we hadn't updated in the recent round of, reno recent round of renovations. So we were able to do that. Uh, Pastor Dan spent a lot of time this summer uh, painting the exterior of the building, and that looks really, really good. And then his latest project is behind us. The last couple weeks, he's been working on that. So uh, not only can he preach, but he can paint. So, um, so these are just some of the things that when you give in addition to the regular day-to-day -day operational stuff, these are some of the things that we've just, we've just had to do in the past year. So looking towards the future, what are some things we're excited about doing not just maintaining where we are, but kind of uh, raising the bar, reaching more people, doing new things. We're, ex we're excited next year to uh, really uh, roll out some new programs for you to uh, impact more people. Whether it's we've thrown out some ideas where maybe on a Sunday morning, uh, we come to church and we don't have a church service, but we all go out into our community and just things like that. We want to provide more opportunities for you to impact your community. Also through our foster care, that that's really growing. We just want to impact more families, more children, uh, more students. I was walking out the hall coming in here and just the amount of kids that are out there going between rooms, like it's exciting to see our kids classes growing, our youth group growing. Uh, we have another Guatemala project coming up this summer. Uh, we this is a great facility. I know the, uh, the stone outside says 1982. I can remember that because that was the year I was born. And uh, so it's almost 40 years old, the facility is. And there's so many of you that have done so many hours and hours of work here. And it's an amazing facility, but it just needs maintaining and updating. That's just, 
just what happens. We want to continue to uh, care for our staff. And then if I could kind of summarize this whole thing up, you know, as we meet as pastors and elders and as leaders, we really want to be the church for our community. When people talk about Edwardsburg, when they live in Edwardsburg and they say, what, tell us about churches in Edwardsburg, like we want to be at the top of that list, not because we're prideful or anything like that, but we want to be the play because we have the truth that we believe in, the truth of Jesus, the truth of God's love that we think everybody needs to hear. So we want to be that church. We want to be that if we were to shut our doors tomorrow and leave town, there would be a massive hole because we weren't here. And I think every day, every week, every year, we become more and more the church for Edwardsburg, the church for our area, and the place that if we were gone, we would be missed. So I know I went through that quickly. There was our ministry impact, kind of the nuts and bolts, where things stand financially, some things we're excited about in the future. If that confused you, if you were like, that was too quick, a couple ways we're going to help you get this information again. We'll send out a letter this week. If you're on our regular email list, you'll get that just to kind of explain some of the highlights that we mentioned. And then we're actually going to give this presentation again at the end of the month because we know things happen. People aren't here every week. And so we're actually going to give a similar presentation at the end of the month. But also please know that myself, Pastor Dan, any of the elders, if you have any questions, comments, or concern, we are always available and love to talk to you about that. But we are excited about what God has done, what God is going to do, but we just wanted to kind of be uh, open and honest with you about the state of things. Appreciate your prayer and uh, your support, and I'll turn things back over to Pastor Dan. Thanks. Thank you very much. Some, some of you know why I didn't do that, right? <laughs> You'd be really, really confused right now, uh, as, as would I. And uh, hey, we're going to look at a passage here in the book of Luke, chapter 12, in a couple minutes. I'm um, going to say that... There's something that I have come to loathe. I wanted to say that word because hate sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? But um, preaching or teaching or any type of ministry that reduces Christianity to a list of activities. Let me say that again. Anything that just takes Christianity and sums it all up in a list of things that you do or you don't do. I don't like that. And it comes from very much my loathing comes from personal experience because that's how I lived my Christian life. I was a good Christian based on the things that I did do and that I didn't do and everything like that with no real personal closeness to the Lord or walking with the Lord. Spent a lot of years like that. Don't like it. Don't want to go back there. Don't want to lead you there at all. So, uh, for example... Um, a good husband, we can make a list of what makes a good husband, okay? A good husband, he takes his wife on dates. He buys her flowers or candy or jewelry or something every once in a while. He does not forget anniversaries and birthday, right? He picks up his socks. He shuts the seat, uh, puts that back down. But uh, we have a, our list of the things that make for a good husband. But we know that just doing all those things on the list does not in and of itself make a good husband, right? Some of you are thinking, well, that would be a nice start. Uh, and Maybe you're right, but, the, uh, but we know that that is not enough, that somewhere there is a heart of the matter. There is an issue of the heart. So when I got thinking about, the, you know, talking today about the area of money, 
And I gathered all the different scriptures, which there are a lot. This is something that Jesus talked about a ton is throughout scripture principles and ideas on money because it's such a big part of our lives and, and our concerns. But as I was gathering them all, I was really drawn to a passage that I feel like, and I have to say this, it gets to the heart of the matter. So I want to read uh, from some stuff in Luke chapter 12. But before I do, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 13. But if you look at the beginning of that chapter, um, I have a little subtitles in my Bible, and one of them at the beginning says, Beware of the leaven or the false teaching of the Pharisees. And Jesus spends some time talking about the hypocrisy. Actually, I think what he spent some time talking about is the fact that they reduced the Christian life to a list of things you do. They were all about their little rules and regulation, and there was a great deal of hypocrisy. And Jesus let them have it. And if you're familiar at all with the tone of Scripture, when Jesus went after the Pharisees, he wasn't playing games. They were leading people down the wrong path away from him. He didn't like that. And, um, and uh, he, he was very serious, a very serious tone to it. Then he get, goes into and he, he begins to talk about eternal matters. In fact, he says, don't fear people who... Uh, you know, on this earth, don't fear men. Fear the one who has your, your eternity in his hands. Okay, fear that one. And then he went on, he said, though, but don't fear because he cares about you and he loves you. If, if you look down there, like in verse number seven. And then he goes on to, again, some very important issues just about the seriousness of the Holy Spirit's ministry and everything like that. What I'm saying is I want to paint the picture. This is God's Son standing here talking with a sincerity and an intensity that I don't know that we could really wrap our minds around. I mean, it, it, it'd be mind-blowing. I couldn't fake that. I couldn't, you know, convey that in any way. This is the Son of God. He's preaching a very serious message. And look what happens in verse number 9. I'm sorry, verse number 8. Or verse number 13. Sorry, my, I moved it with my little finger. Someone in the crowd said to him, get, get this picture here, Jesus is preaching, the Son of God is preaching away. And somebody, uh, teacher, uh, tell my brother to divide an inheritance with me. <laughs> That's what he gets. Now, I can relate to this. I taught high school students Bible for years. And I'd be standing up there pouring out my heart thinking, man, I got something that's going to change their life. Uh, and there, I was really letting it go, waxing eloquent. And boy, they're, I'm sure they're riveted and hanging on every word. And then a the hand goes up. Uh, what time is this class supposed to be over? Uh, I, think you're, I think you're a minute over. Or can I go to the bathroom? Or, or you know, or is this going to be on the test, my favorite uh, of, of all? So, you know, so I understand exactly what happened here with this guy. He's a, you know, Jesus is, is talking about the matters of eternity, and he says, uh, could you tell my brother to give me some money? Now, I don't know the situation. I don't know if it was a situation where the brother was not rightly dividing the way it was supposed to. You know, the will was read. You know, the old saying, you know, where there's a will, there's a bunch of relatives hanging around. But, uh, the, the, uh, but I don't know if it was read a certain way and he didn't get what he was supposed to or, and this very possible in the culture of the day, or it could have been that uh, the, the inheritance, inheritance was actually given to one son, and the other one saying, no, I want some of that. Jesus, tell him to give me some. Look how Jesus responds here. Uh, in verse number 14, he says, man, who has made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Now, Jesus is going to go a totally different direction, okay? He says, he says, is that what I'm here to do? Is that what I'm here to, to decide, you know, who gets the money in the will? That, that's not where it is. 
I remember shortly after I, I came to this church, I went to a pastor's conference. And uh, the title of the little workshop that I went to was dealing with uh, the issues of a small church. And I had always been part of a larger church, so I thought, hey, I better go figure out how to deal with the issues of a small church. First thing I learned, we're not really a small church. I thought we were, but, uh, but compared to a lot of churches, you know, one guy said, yeah, well, I have like 15 people. I said, okay, yeah, I think I'm a mega church pastor, actually, uh, based on that. But he said, um, he said wait, wait a minute, uh, you know, th- this, is, this is not where I'm going, this is not go- going. And the, the teacher of my workshop said, you need to remember that Jesus didn't come and get involved in every little detail of everybody's life like that. And as the pastor of a little church, you don't want to do that either. There's going to be a tendency to do that, you know, to break away from the things that are important and get involved in an area. And that's, that's, a, that's how Jesus takes the approach here. He goes on, and what he does, instead of getting into that issue, he gets to the issue of the heart. And let's see that here in what he says. Verse number 16, he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. Now, I missed something important. Chapter or Verse 15, he says, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness. Okay, another word that some translations might have in there is greed. Take care, be on your guard against all covetousness or greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he goes on and begins to tell this story. There's a rich man who had land who produced uh, plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns, build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, full this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So he addresses an issue in there of greed. He says, remember in that first verse I read, take care, be on your guard against covetousness. He goes on to address another issue. He says to his disciples, verse number 22, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. He says, because life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. Uh, They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more are you than the birds? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you are not able to do such a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, tomorrow and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, or, uh, nor be worried. For all nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father knows you have need of them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Now, I can say with a great deal of confidence that, let me go ahead and read one more paragraph here. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 
what I, I feel like I need to say, and I, and I can say with a great deal of confidence, is this passage is not instructing all of us to sell everything that we own and get rid of it. I say, and it is also not discouraging any type of saving. And I can say that with great confidence because if you look at the entirety of Scripture, the principles of Scripture teach us, uh, do not teach those things. They teach that preparation and saving is actually a good thing. But what this passage is doing is it's taking this guy, it, it, it's addressing this man's question that says, hey, here, here's this guy that's preoccupied with money. Here's this guy that that's his main concern of life, that's what it's all about, and he's saying, hey, that's not what life is all about. If you're preoccupied with this, you're going to have trouble with greed, you're going to have trouble with covetousness, uh, you're going to have trouble with, with uh, worry, and those things, worry, greed, and that's going to create all types of problems in your life that you don't want. That's not where you want to go. That's not what life is about. And don't we see in life that if we are preoccupied with financial things, we're preoccupied with money all the time, it creates conflict and it creates worry. Would you agree with me? What is the number one cause of uh, fights in marriage? That is, it is. Every chart you look at has that at the top, people fighting about money. I got a little bit of a rebuke on that this morning, and I didn't want it. Uh, I was just talking this morning, just innocently talking to my wife about the fact that I have to go to the dentist again. Uh, I'm between appointments, one where he rips things apart, one where he puts things back together, and it's temporarily filled, and I was griping about it. And my wife said to me, she said, I don't want to hear you griping about it. She said, when I was going through all that and in pain, all I kept hearing about was how much it was costing <laughs> <laughs> and so, so here's my wife over there. You know, her mouth is numb. Uh, and she's in pain. And I'm going, I can't believe this costs as much to go to this thing. And then, <laughs> Dennis. But, you know, how many times are, you know, is our concern about money at the root of our problem? Okay, how many times is that producing strife and conflict? Now, let me, let me illustrate for a couple seconds here. I, um, my wife and I have a friend that is... Um, Actually, she was my daughter's roommate in college, and she was the best woman, what's that called? Maid of honor, thank you, uh, in her wedding, and, uh, you know, we got to know her name is Michelle Barlow, but Michelle uh, was a pre-med student uh, at Indiana Wesleyan when my daughter was there, and she was top-notch. In fact, she was valedictorian of the class. And she went on and uh, went, I don't have exactly, New York, she went to study, I believe she was at John Hopkins, she did her residency in New York, and I mean, she was just the top of everything, top notch. Basically, she could write her own ticket as far as what she wanted to do. Uh, you know, where she wanted to serve, what kind of doctor she wanted to be, I mean, she was just uh, a top of it, and she did, she wrote her own ticket. Here's what she wanted to do. She is going to Africa to serve people they can't afford health care. That's what she decided to do. So we get a little letter that says, uh, hey, would you be interested in supporting Michelle? <laughs> who wouldn't? I mean, seriously, that, that situation, who wouldn't? But it's pretty cool because at that point where my wife and I were, we didn't have to say, hey, uh, well, maybe when we get this bill paid off or uh, anything like that. But we were just able to say, yeah, we want to. Um, something else that happened recently um, my car, uh, something happened with the U-bolt. I don't completely understand, but somehow it snapped, and then I needed to get a new drivetrain. I don't understand everything, or that might not be the right terminology. All I remember is 1,500 bucks. <laughs> That's the only thing that really stuck. Uh, but, you know, my wife and I chose that we're going to drive a little bit older cars, and therefore we have a little fund 
that is car repair. So 1500 bucks wasn't like, oh, man, where are we going to get that? What are we going to do? Uh, I didn't send my wife out on the street with a sign. <laughs> uh, need money for car repair. You know, we were, we were just, hey, you just, I mean, I wasn't excited about it, but, uh, you know, we just paid it. It was just there. That's, that's cool to be like that when you can give and you can meet needs. I mean, it really is. What I want to tell you and what Pastor James is trying to communicate there is that's where we have been as a church. It's awesome. It really is. Somebody comes in and then a missionary comes through and says, hey, I'd like to build a, uh, work on building this home in Thailand. And we say, hey, great, let us help. $3,000, $5,000, here you go, buddy. I forget what it was, three or $5,000 we sent over there this year. Somebody calls and, and uh, a single mom is, is uh, waiting. You, you know, she's, she's got some financial burden. She has a job lined up, but she hasn't started yet. And she needs some help to get through. And we can say, hey, great, let us help you. This is, this is cool. This is, this is exciting. We can help people out like that. That's awesome. We've been able to do that. The door breaks. Wasn't excited about it, but we got the money. Let's pay for it. We need a bus. We got to have a bus for a release time. Uh, it's broken, but we have the money. That was, that's cool. What we're trying to say and what this whole picture of painting, I think, is this. <laughs> if we continue to increase our giving at a rate that is slower than inflation which is what we've done and if and therefore we continue to spend the reserves and we don't begin to replenish those reserves if we don't up our giving we got a burden okay I, I don't know how else to say that 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 that's where we're headed let me illustrate as far as a ministry goes here for a second too pastor james mentioned you know in the elders meeting we were talking about hey what could we do in 2000 and what year is coming? 20. Uh, what could we do in 2020? You know, get some good ideas. So we're planning and we're thinking and, and somebody say, hey, wouldn't that be cool? Let's, let's take a day. Let's go just serve the community. That'd be awesome. That'd be a fun thing to do. But uh, <laughs> what will we do about offering that week? <laughs> you know, what, what if I had to stop and think that? Oh, yeah, but we can't live without an offering. We're, the things are too close. And then somebody else had this idea. I don't remember who said this, but imagine this. This would be cool. The offering plate is coming by, and instead of asking you to put something in, there's envelopes in there. And we ask you to take one out. Okay, some Sunday, instead of offering, here we go. I'm going to pass that out. Somebody had this idea, and you open it up, and in here is, uh, well, this one has 50 bucks in it, but you got 50 bucks or 100 bucks or something like that. And we just say, hey, would you find somebody that you could be a blessing to and encouragement to? Would you use this money to advance the kingdom of God this week? And wouldn't that be an awesome thing to do? Wouldn't that be fun? That's the type of thing we get to sit around and talk about in elders' meetings. That's awesome. Okay, but what if instead we have to have, well, where are we going to cut this? Who are we going to cut? Are we going to have to cut one of the missionaries? What are we going to do? Well, let's evaluate the missionaries and see who we can cut and can't support them anymore. Maybe one of this conversation came up as we start to think about the future. Maybe one of the pastors should go part-time. Maybe Dan could clean the building. Okay? I suggested that. Uh, but uh, and, and, and folks, that's not beneath me. I can clean the building, but is that really the type of thing we want to do? And do we want to spend our leadership... Uh, figuring out, do you see what I mean about how the whole idea of, you know, you think, well, he's talking about financial concerns, so surely he's preaching against the rich. No, it's anybody who's preoccupied. In fact, if you racked with debt and everything like that, that's going to be the whole focus of your life. You're going to miss the things that are important, doing the things that are important, as you're preoccupied with money concerns. Does that make some sense? 
I just thought, I got excited last night because I actually sat down on Monday and I, I was going a totally different direction with the sermon. And it was kind of like, no, you're supposed to go here. And I wrote up the outline. And even yesterday morning, I was still looking at it going, I don't know how this fits in with what we're doing with the whole presentation. And then last night, I just started reading through the text again. And I thought, there it is. I get excited. Uh, and then I got my extra hours of sleep. Okay, but um, any, anyway, that, that's pretty awesome. Now, we're going to do something here that is gonna, going to uh, drive some of you crazy. We're going to do the world's fastest sermon outline. Okay, you ready? We haven't even touched the outline yet. And we're going to get your pen. If, if you're an outline filler in her, blow her, blow on the pen. Get it ready. You ready? Because uh, as we look and just draw some conclusions of this, one of the things that we want to do, there are three blanks at the top. We're going to get to that, but if we, as we draw some uh, confusions from this passage, the first thing that we want to make sure that we're doing is identifying our purpose or what it is in our life that is important. Because the scripture says this, it is not about money. It's not about your possessions. So let's identify what our purpose, what gives our life meaning. Do, do you think people care about finding uh, purpose? Do you think they do? You know what the number one uh, best-selling non-fiction book of all time is? Do not say Harry Potter. That's fiction. I uh, know Harry Potter uh, is not that. It is a book written by Rick Warren called Purpose Driven Life. Number one, over 32 million copies sold. Translated into more languages than any book ever except for the Bible. People want to know what their purpose is. Okay. God says your purpose is not found in money, but you will find your purpose when you do what? When you seek his purpose, uh, when, we, when we seek after that. So how are we going to do that? One of the things that might help us is if we take a minute and do a little heart checkup, we evaluate our treasure. Now notice, Jesus did not say money, okay? Jesus said treasure, which involves more than money. It's everything. What it is, is it is the things in which we invest our lives. And I want to encourage you this morning to, if you will, take a little look at the budget of your life and say, hey, where am I investing? Uh, my wife and I operate on a budget at home, but it is not a, uh, some of you will recognize this terminology, it is not an every dollar budget. We operate on a budget, but we have a little category. I like to call it mad money or fun money. And, you know, a budget is the big thing is you tell your money where to go. Well, we have a little bit of money every week that tells us what it wants to do. Uh, it just does its own thing. It's just kind of fun money. But, you know, sometimes we just look back at that and say, what in the world did we spend that money on? Where to go? The point is, if our whole economic plan was just to let it do whatever it wants to do, we don't get anything done. <laughs> we got problems. Uh, we're going to be in a hole. And as we look at our lives, the same thing. Let's be very intentional. Let's plan where we're going to invest. Let us plan, therefore, in investing in his kingdom. Let us plan on uh, developing a strategy for how we're going to parent towards his, his kingdom, how we're going to uh, be, conduct our marriage and, and pour in, invest in our marriage towards his kingdom, how we're going to invest in our business and use our business and have it be uh, pushed towards his kingdom, how we're going to go to work and live towards his kingdom, how we're going to be a student and live towards his kingdom. For what the scripture tells us here, indeed, is that heart follows treasure. 
doesn't say it the other way around. It says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Sometimes we get this backwards. Think about somebody who's having a rough time in their marriage. They'll say, how can I invest in something that I have no passion for? And they have their thinking wrong. Invest in it. And the heart follows that investment. So let me encourage you with this, that this is what we want to be doing. Not only does heart follow that, but habit shapes our heart. Let me encourage you to say to God in, in prayer, God, what would you give me a burden? But realize this, if you're going to develop a burden, you're, the heart is going to follow the treasure. So you are going to invest in something to see that burden develop. Now, not everything you invest in becomes a burden or a passion. You might try something and say, that one for me. That isn't where my heart is. But I want to encourage you to try something. To jump in and say, hey, I want to try investing in something. Because even though not every investment results in a passion, every passion does begin with investment. Okay? So let me invest in the things that go towards his kingdom. The three blanks at the top of the page, very simply, seek his kingdom. Now, a good pastor, which I'd like to be, uh, is always going to make sure that he talks uh, some about money and giving because that is, a, that is something that is throughout Scripture. Okay? And it is something that is good for people to hear. Um, a pastor who is passionate about his mission in life is going to encourage people to give to local church ministry. I mean, that's just and, and I am. I, I see incredible, uh, just in a community, and it, the need that is here for the gospel. Pastor James talks about. And there are some other churches that are, that are chipping away at it too. But, boy, we just want to, there's such a need to have that beacon, that lighthouse for the gospel. And I, I, and I, I see that. So this pastor, as I said, <laughs> he has this little thing about uh, when Christianity is reduced to a list of things that drives him crazy, so I am going to, when I talk about it, I'm going to talk about it being an issue of the heart, that this is something that has to get inside of us. And with all those three things, I, I don't know, I'm confident, I, even if you are our guest, I mean, I'm kind of sorry you had to listen to James, I don't know. but uh, no, I, you know, but, you know, I'm kind of sorry to take the, that you had to get caught in all the numbers and, and stuff like that. So even if you are a guest, but I'm not, I'm not like apologizing for explaining that or going through anything like that. There is one concern that I have when I talk about money, though, that I want to make sure. Um, in history, back in the Middle Ages, during what I think was the darkest time, the most corrupt time for the church, one of the things that the church started as a practice was selling forgiveness of sin. Uh, they, they called them indulgences, but you could buy an adult indulgence that, hey, if you sinned, you gave enough money to the church and your sin was absolved. In fact, they got so corrupt that they would actually sell them in advance. Like you'd come in and say, how much is it going to cost me for uh, like that? And, uh, you know, so people are paying. And I don't ever want anybody to come in here. And, you know, if you, if you walk out and thought, well, I came, I thought that's all they do is talk about money. And sure enough, they talk about money. That's okay. You can say that and you can paint X over my picture, anything like that. But I don't want anybody to come in here and think that somehow, hey, if I just give money, that's going uh, to make me right with God. That's, that's, that's all that it takes. The Bible talks about the wages of sin that all of us carry. We all have a debt, okay? And there is no amount of money, 
No physical possession, nothing in this earth that could ever pay that debt. That's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and said, I'll pay that debt for you. He said, look to me. Trust in me. And I would never want somebody, I mean, really, I mean, just passion. I'd rather, <laughs> I hate extreme statement. I'd rather shut this place down. But, uh, but I would never want somebody to come in here and think, hey, I, I'm, I'm buying my way into heaven. I'm buying my way into a right relationship with God, you know, if I just give enough like that. Because that is a price that has already been paid in full by Jesus Christ because it is a debt that we could never pay. And Jesus says, look to me. Trust in me for forgiveness of sin and me, and me alone. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.